progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock on a Monday, the 22nd morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Really good stuff from Congressman Jim Jordan. I, I didn't get an answer from him, though, and it's not his fault. He doesn't have an answer. He didn't put this ridiculous stuff in the bill. But I want an answer. I'm demanding an answer. I want every liberal Democrat puke who had anything to do with laying one letter in one word on one page of that massive $2 trillion spending boondoggle to tell me where any single dollar is going to protect and preserve and maintain Native American languages. You follow that? Uh, (laughs) That one just sticks out to me like a sore thumb. Not that there aren't other elements of this ridiculous $2 trillion tax waste that we can complain about, and I did. I complained about many of them, including the stupid minimum wage increase, the ridiculous student loan, student debt forgiveness, $270 million for fine arts, museums, and humanities. What do those have to do with China virus relief? Those are all insane. But at least I know when they talk about the National Endowment of the Arts, there is going to be a recipient on the other end. Somebody's going to cash that government check, and we'll see it. It's ridiculous, but at least we'll know. I want somebody to tell me, though, I want an itemized dollar-by-dollar, check-by-check. I want to see who cashed it, who wrote it, what it was made out to, what it says on the memo line. Ten million of my taxpayer dollars and yours to preserve and maintain Native American languages. Who's getting that money? This is just one of those things where I know there are pork projects and I know there are pet projects and I know how this system works. I've been watching and studying this for a very long time. When animal COVID studies are included to the tune of $300 million, I scratch my my head and say, what are you doing? Our federal debt is near $30 trillion. Our budget deficit is going to be extraordinary. We have American businesses and employees suffering, and we have spent $300 million studying the effect of COVID-19 on animals. But at least I know they can write a check to an animal research center or to some other sort of science center that is studying this kind of thing. At least, okay, it's ridiculous, it's stupid, I oppose it to the nth degree, but I know where the check can go. Where's the check going to preserve and protect and maintain Native American languages? Is there a center? Is there a museum in which the language is written and then kept under lock and key to, quote, preserve preserve it? To maintain it? Are they paying people to learn Native American languages who don't already know them so that they can teach it? to other people so that it's preserved and protected for years to come? I don't know why the Native Americans themselves don't just teach it, preserve and protect it. We don't have to pay them for it. I mean, this is just one of those things where I look at the... 
I look at the American government and, and you wonder why we are conservatives. You wonder why we beg for smaller, limited government, because this is what big government does. This is what it gets you. All right, I don't want to beat that into the ground if I haven't already, but it's just, uh, it's, I'm just nonplussed at that sort of thing. All right, um, Congressman Jordan and I talked about what has been done to this country with respect to the China virus and the reactions thereto and the policies that were put in place because of it. One of them is, of course, the schools. The schools remain closed. In fact, Jim Jordan, it's kind of interesting, Jim Jordan, whoever runs his... Um, his uh, social media for him, two minutes after he got off the air with me, uh, he sent out a tweet that I just saw that essentially says, hold on, let me pull it up real fast. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, doggone it. It's not being pulled up very fast at all. My apologies. Let me see if I can grab it here in a separate location because I don't have Twitter. I've got to find these things through two and three different levels. Yeah, here, he tweeted right after he got off the air with me, President Biden's first month, schools closed, Keystone Pipeline canceled, Radical immigration bill introduced, Iran deal coming back, political rival impeached, Mexico City policy rescinded, 1776 commission scrapped. But don't worry, he's a moderate. He's right about all of that, of course. And let's talk about the first one about the schools being closed. The CDC has been now for at least two months, maybe more, making the declaration it is safe for kids to be in schools. Schools should be open. The number of cases that children acquire and the number of cases that children pass on to other children and the number of cases that children pass on to their teachers is so minuscule, minuscule, that it makes no sense whatsoever not to have children in full-time in-person classes. The CDC has made this declaration, yet here we sit. Joe Biden said, well, we hope by April or something to maybe have all kids, no, I'm sorry, 50% of the schools back in class one day a week. Four days still at home at the dining room table on their little laptops, if they're lucky enough to have one. One day in person, and we'll say, look, we opened the schools again. Uh, Byron Donalds is a congressman from Florida who said this about... um, uh, keeping the schools closed. So they can get their liberal wish list using coronavirus pandemic as an excuse. One thing a lot of parents would like to see reopen is their local schools. They're, you know, afraid that their kids are not doing well with distance learning. And frankly, you know, somebody's got to care for those kids if they're at home. Uh, what, what are the prospects, do you think, of getting schools back open across the country? John, this is one of those things that really it's about local governments, local school districts, and the local teachers unions. Washington, D.C., sending money to districts is not going to help schools reopen. Florida schools have been open since August of last year, since the beginning of the school year. What it took in Florida was leadership and a plan, which we developed using CDC guidelines in order to make sure our kids can get back into the classroom safely. We have provided a hybrid program for those parents who weren't comfortable sending their children back to school. But these other states and these other cities are not following the science, John. They're following political science. That's the bottom line right there. They also, oh, oh, the science has returned, Biden said when he won the, uh, well, when he was handed the election. Oh, science has returned. Science will guide all of our policies. Science, 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 science. Meanwhile, he continues to deny the existence of a human being inside of another human being in utero, saying that's not, you know, science doesn't show that's a human being. Meanwhile, he says that uh, girls can be boys and boys can, can be girls. Chromosomal science be damned. That's not science. But when it comes to our policies on coronavirus, science will rule the day. Science, 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 science. Well, science says put your kids in school. They're not following the science, as Byron Donalds just said. They are following political science. 
the teachers' unions and the the pathetic liberal Karens from one end of this country to the other who plan on wearing masks for the rest of their lives and never hugging another human being and dying the lonely, pathetic creatures that they are by themselves, they don't want anybody back to work, back to restaurants, and nor back to schools. They are scared to death and willing and ready to live their lives like house cats for the rest of their existence. Sitting inside, safe and secure, mask on, by themselves, looking out the window, watching life go by like house cats. And by the way, that's pretty much what Dr. Anthony Fauci says we are all going to have to do, even if you get vaccinated. Why do you think Americans might have to wear masks into 2022? You know, because it depends on the low, on the level of, 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 uh, of dynamics of virus that's in the community. And that's really important because that gets back to something again that you said, if you see the level coming down really, really very low, I want it to keep going down to a baseline that's so low that there's virtually no threat, or not no, it'll never be zero, but a minimal, minimal threat that you will be exposed to someone who is infected. So I'm gonna pause that there just to, to highlight something you probably already heard and you probably already know. The goalposts have now, in the course of one calendar year, last March to this February, have been moved from two weeks, two weeks is all we need. We just need to make sure that we spend two weeks in isolation with things closed up in order to flatten the curve. That's it, just flatten the curve. People are still going to get sick, and that's fine. We just can't have the hospitals being overrun, so we've got to flatten the curve. And now, one year later, here's Anthony Fauci. You heard him just now. We are not going to change our policies until no one gets sick or close to it. I want it to keep going down to a baseline that's so low that there's virtually no threat, or not no, it'll never be zero, but a minimal, minimal threat that you will be exposed to someone who is infected. So if you combine getting most of the people in the country vaccinated with getting the level of, of virus in the community very, very low, then I believe you're going to be able to say, you know, for the most part, we don't necessarily have to wear masks. But if we have a level of virus that is at that level that it was months and months ago, like 20,000 per day is a heck of a lot better than what it's been. But that's still very high level of virus in the mm. community. I want to see it go way down. When it goes way down and the overwhelming majority of the people in the population are vaccinated, then I would feel comfortable in saying, you know, we need to pull back on the masks. We don't need to have masks. Wow. I, would feel com- think- I would feel comfortable with his little $500,000 a year elfin arse being kicked out of Washington, D.C. This little urchin, Anthony Fauci, has changed his position on schools, on restaurants, on masking, unmasking, double masking, at least 15 times in the last 11 months. This guy has been all over the board, and did you know that he is the highest paid federal employee in America? And he doesn't know squat. 
Somebody deemed him, somebody handed him the scepter and said, you are the grand poobah of epidemiology. No matter how wrong you can be, no matter how many times you may flip or flop, you're the guy that we will listen to. If you say put a mask on today and then say take it off tomorrow, we will do it. If you say put two on the day after that, yes, sir, the poobah said let's do it. Meanwhile, he wants everybody to be vaccinated, but then his own words belie the effectiveness of the vaccine, saying that after vaccination, you still have to wear a mask and you still will be doing so into 2022. That's, that's 10 months from now. If the vaccine worked even a little bit, Dr. Fraudchi, why would we have to continue following your ridiculous policies? This guy still won't let grandparents spend time with their families after their vaccination. You know, I, I'm not going to make a recommendation now except to say that these are things that we really do. I mean, literally every day, Tano. We look at that. We look at the data. We look at what's evolving about how many people are getting vaccinated. And there will be recommendations coming out. I don't want to be making a recommendation now on public TV. I would want to sit down with the team, take a look at that, and you will be seeing relaxation of some of the stringencies as more and more people well, get vaccinated. Well, let me I just... promise you that, but I don't want to really do it right now. Well, the d- reason he doesn't want to make a recommendation right now is because next week he's going to make the opposite recommendation. That's what little bridge troll does. I am tired of being guided by a guy with no medical principles upon which to stand at all because he changes them with the change in in temperature in the change in the weather and this is the guy that we've deemed our leader 1023 right back after this can't get on the air with bob Leave a message, 216-525-1806. Yeah, I really love the message line. You get a lot of great stuff there. We play them as situations allow and uh, react to them as well. So if you've got something to comment on or just something you want to say about the show, a question you want to ask and you can't get through while we're live, uh, by all means, leave that message 24 hours a day at 216-525-1806. But we are live now. And that is 216-901-0945, Diane in Bay Village. Hi, Diane. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hi. Hi, Bob. Um, since uh, we, the American citizenry, can no longer rely on uh, the feckless, lying, corrupt, evil Democrats and Republicans, what do you think about this idea? Even though it would be a, a tall order, Similar to what they're doing in California to recall Gavin Newsom, what if the conservatives started a movement in the United States to recall Biden? Um, we can't. There's no, um, there's no allowance, I believe, in the Constitution for the people just to have a recall vote on the president of the United States. The only way to remove a sitting president is by way of what we've seen, which is impeachment and trial. Most recall efforts are state by state. As a matter of fact, to give you an example, we can't even recall Mike DeWine. That's one of the reasons why we've been sitting here suffering through him for the last, you know, well, really since he took over, but uh, specifically since the coronavirus, 
Um, there have been many calls to recall him, but there is no provision in the Ohio Constitution that allows us to recall the governor. The only thing we can do is ask our representatives in the, the General Assembly to impeach and remove him by, uh, by that method. There is no recall here. Other states there are. Like you said, Gavin Newsom, they can recall the governor there. But we can't do it here, and we certainly can't do it at the federal level for the president. Mm. Well, I thought it was a good idea. Well, it would be if it existed. But, it's just an idea that doesn't okay. exist. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. Because, right. and there's a good reason for that. Because you know what they would say is, Diane, and thank you for the phone call, what they would say is you're asking for the people to go and re-vote. They just voted. Now, I don't want to hear, I know, of course, we all know about the integrity of the election, which was lacking, to say the least. It was gross abuse of the electoral process and fraudulent, to say the most, Right. But nonetheless, we just did have an election. And if there was a recall, ability to recall, they could do that for presidents in perpetuity. I mean, forever. Anytime your party loses, you wait a couple of months, you say, we don't like what he's doing. Let's get let's get a recall petition going. And then it's going to have to be put on the ballot and everybody's going to have to go. Well, you want to recall the president, which means undo the election. Um, it's just not it doesn't exist. So, you know, whether it's a good idea or not is an irrelevant thing because it just doesn't exist. Like I said, it doesn't even exist at the state level in Ohio. It does in some states, but not in this one. Okay, more calls coming right up after the news. AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. You know, it would be uh, that'd be a great thing for America and for business and for education and for communities and for society. You know, it'd be great if Hispanic people would just be a little less Hispanic. And also, if black people would just be a little bit less black, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Now, such a statement, if I was saying it with seriousness, would be absurd. It would be extraordinarily racist. It would be extraordinarily unforgivable. But do you know that the good people at Woca-Cola believe that very thing, except about white people. Do you, do you like Coke? Do you drink Coke? Um, if you like your Coke, first of all, it is now woke. It is Woca-Cola. Second of all, know this. They believe that their company and this world would be a better place if white people were just less white. Is that not as outrageous? is saying it would be great if black people would be less black? Is it not outrageous or as outrageous as saying Hispanic people should be less Hispanic? White people need to try to be less white. I don't know if you saw this story. They use a training video at Woca-Cola put together by an anti-racist activist named Robin D'Angelo that tells employees to, quote, try to be less white. Carlin Borisenko is a psychologist and a YouTuber and a creator of the Zen Workplace. 
who has received the information from a whistleblower inside Coca-Cola. And there is a video of the training that she has posted online. Borisenko speaks out against critical race theory and corporate race training on a regular basis. So this was right up her alley. But it nothing will prepare you for the shocking statements made. It's a 49-minute video created by, again, the uh, Robin D'Angelo activist person who is the author of a book, a book called White Fragility. The video is called Confronting Racism. <laughs> Confronting Racism. And it starts at the very beginning by telling people that all white people are born racist. Confronting Racism. <laughs> no prejudice in just saying, if you're white, you're a racist. Prejudice, by the way, comes from the term prejudge. To prejudge someone is to, is to be prejudiced. And how do you prejudge them? By their belonging to a certain group, racial or ethnic or religious or otherwise. All white people are judged to be racist, according to the anti-racist corporate trainer who put the video together for the people at Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Nothing exempts any white person from the forces of racism, the video says. When you accept the reality of your socialization, you can begin to examine how you've been shaped by it. Employees are then told, quote, in the U.S. and other Western nations, white people are socialized to feel that they are inherently superior because they are white. Research shows that by age three to four, children understand that it is better to be white. Employees are told in the what can you do section that to be less white, they have to, quote, be less oppressive, be less arrogant, be less certain, be less defensive. I'm going to stop there on that one. We are going to judge you based on the color of your skin, peach in your cases, We are going to judge you as being inherently racist and hateful and oppressive and arrogant. But you are not allowed to be defensive as we tear you down. If you are defensive, it is just evidence of your racism. Be more humble. Break with apathy. Break with white solidarity. I've got a memo to the race trader, uh, excuse me, trainer, uh, Robin D'Angelo. You are encouraging white solidarity. As white people, people are not going to just sit there and be told that we're scum. We're born scum with racism in our DNA and privilege that we can't see. We're not going to just accept that without banding together and saying, screw you. White solidarity is guaranteed when you tell white people that they are inherently evil. The training includes a racial resentment section. Quote, any moment of black advancement is met with a backlash of white rage and resentment. I think we're in a current moment of that after eight years of Obama, she said. She said white people resent affirmative action which she describes as a toothless program that we've practically dismantled. Let me stop there and say, do you know how many of us white Americans, millions and millions and millions of white Americans, 
cheered every time we saw a new unemployment number come out in the four years of Donald Trump. And we saw a new low every month. Every month, a new record of black unemployment. The lowest black unemployment in history. The record consistently being reset month after month. We black advancement. And we asked black America to say, do you see? The first black president, Barack Obama, did nothing for you. And it has nothing to do with his blackness. It has everything to do with his leftism. And Democrats' belief that blacks are better kept poor and uneducated and beholden to the government for their very existence, for their housing, for their food, for their medication. That's what left America believes. That's what Barack Obama believed. Blacks are better kept down. That's Democrat ideology 101. It's part of their credo. Black America America being kept down keeps them voting for us. Donald Trump came out with policies that lifted everybody, black Americans included, and especially, and we cheered it because we want equality for everybody. Equity is another story. That's up to you. D'Angelo said in her training with Woca-Cola that when white people say they aren't racist, it's proof that they're racist. This person doesn't understand basic socialization, she says. This person doesn't, doesn't understand culture. This person is not self-aware if they don't acknowledge their own racism. Being nice to black people is not enough, according to the race trainer. Niceness is not courageous. Niceness is not anti-racism. She informs listeners if they're merely nice, then they are advancing a racist system that increases racial disparities. Be nice to black people, and you are increasing racial disparities. That's not anti-racist. Anti-racist means you can't just be nice. You have to actively do something to help other races and do things to harm your own. That's anti-racism. The course description for the training at Woca-Cola which I promise you is this has just been released by a whistleblower at Coca-Cola. I mean, this is probably some of the same corporate race training that's going on in big boardrooms all over the country. In fact, not probably. We've talked about some of them. This is just the latest. In this course, Robin D'Angelo <clears throat> gives you vocabulary and practices you need to start confronting racism and unconscious bias at the individual level and throughout your organization. There's no magic recipe for building an inclusive workplace. It's a process that it needs to involve people of color, and that needs to go on for as long as your company and business. But with these tools at your disposal, you'll be well on your way. Well on your way to what? Alienating, alienating every black employee, or excuse me, alienating every white employee and making them really, really angry that they're being told that they are less than human, that they are some sort of species incapable of making up their own minds, that their DNA is infected with historical racism. If you want to be on your way to creating a deeper and further divide between the races, keep telling one of them that they are hateful oppressors and that when they defend themselves against allegations of hateful oppression, that they are just being too defensive and denying their own racism. 
D'Angelo's uh, course is probably going to open Woca-Cola up to a slew of lawsuits by employees who suspect they were denied promotions and bonuses and other opportunities because of their skin color. And you'd better believe that it's going to lead to lawsuits by white employees who are going to complain that, and rightfully so, that they have been discriminated against by corporate trainers. So, yeah, um, enjoy your Woca-Cola. I don't know if they're doing the same thing at Pepsi or not, but I'm going to stick with my diet, Dr. Pepper, until I find out they are. But uh, make your choices wisely. Mark is in Fairview Park. Mark, you're on AM 1420 The Answer. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Uh, I just wanted to mention, uh, I had a good friend who was a Hopi Indian when I was going to college. As a matter of fact, he was my roommate. Great guy, uh, Harvard-educated doctor. And uh, he, uh, you know, he talked to him about it. I've been on the reservation before. They have these classes. They have these classes to preserve the language. And I saw a show on TV the other night with the same thing, showing different uh, uh, reservations and what they're trying to do to retain their, their uh, historical language. But uh, the, the irony is I just sent him a quote last week that I came across with uh, uh, Chief Wahoo uh, insignia on it he's been asking me is there any school you go to where you can get an insignia that has an india would you please send it to me because he's making a jacket of his own you know so uh but uh anyhow the um what i want to mention my brother no, 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 uh, hold on i want to i want to hit that for a second here so you're saying they have classes oh they yeah have cla- yeah they, they have they, classes they all have cu- big cultural centers and things like that you know okay and and what in the living hell does that have to do with retaining and maintaining Native American language. As long as there are Native Americans, they can pass on their language to other Native Americans. And if they want to put it in a in a in a glass case somewhere, some written version of the American language, why does that have to have to come out of the United States of America COVID nineteen relief fund? And how are ten million dollars being spent on such uh, such things? Yeah, well, that's the point I'm trying to make. I, I mean, my friend, he's uh, he speaks Hobie, but he learned it from his uh, his parents, you know, and it was it was just passed down. But they have training in that, and uh, uh, you know, yeah, it's it, <laughs> you, you brought up a, a very good point. What are these millions going towards? Yeah, but that's what thing I want to know. I want to see who's writing the check, excuse me, who's receiving the check, who's cashing it, and then what those funds are being spent on to preserve and protect and maintain Native American language with ten million. Another point that he brought up to me, though, yeah. and he always yeah. argues, argues about it, is that the, uh, you know, a lot of these Indian governments uh, have to be watched, too. Yeah, well, I don't want to get into all of that. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of issues between, you know, protected Native American lands, reservations and so forth and the American government. We all know the history as well. But but this is just one of those things where it's a, it's fully and clearly a pet project uh, that is going to be used in some way, shape or form to affect politics, meaning Democrat votes. There is no there's no question about it. And or these funds are going to be funneled or laundered from and through the reservations into uh, prominent Democrat donors hands. I'm telling you, this is in no way, shape perform does it have anything to do with preserving or protecting uh, native american language uh but having said that do you have anything else for us mark yeah i just wanted to say you know my brother called me from california they listen to you when you're on the air there they they love your show when you go nationwide but you know he asked me what's the story on this gonzalez guy and i said you know it's too bad you don't get bob france i said bob picked this guy apart like a turkey carcass on thanksgiving you know (laughs) he's not a clear thinking guy here we, tr- here we trusted this guy, voted for him, gave him our full support, 
And this is how we were treated? You know, this imbecilic responses he gave, he gave you on the radio, time to vote this guy out. I think you had the uh, broadcast last week, too, and I was, I was listening to it. Yeah, very, well, I'll tell you this. Weak, I'll tell you this. The, the line of people ready to primary Anthony Gonzalez, thank you, Mark, I appreciate your phone call, is a long one. I literally, during this show, uh, just got another email and uh, sent it on. We're going to try to schedule an interview if we can. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, with um, with a, another Trump loyalist um, who is basically saying uh, we need to get rid of Anthony Gonzalez and we need to do it immediately in the next primary. His name is Max Miller. He is a former Trump White House aide who is moving to and buying a home in the 16th district. Uh, he currently, where does Max live? He purchased a house in Rocky River. Okay, there you go. So he's moving to Rocky River, and he's going to live in and run for the 16th district uh, seat uh, against um, Anthony Gonzalez. I interviewed another guy who's trying to primary him just a week ago, a week and a half ago, whatever it was. I think it's going to just be a steady drumbeat of people saying nobody is more vulnerable than this guy. The only thing you have to do is win the primary from a cast of thousands. Then whoever uh, wins that primary is probably going to take Anthony Gonzalez out. I said the day of the interview when it was over, when I saw how unprepared he was, he knew it was going to be a, a contentious interview. He knew I disagreed. He even started by saying that, you know, none of this is personal, and, and I agreed. This is about simply what he did to vote to impeach a president without due process. Um, but he knew it was going to be, I was going to challenge him because it, I thought it was a terrible idea. And he started out almost apologizing to people saying, I know I have a lot to make up for. People are going to be mad at me. But this is how I voted. And yet, even with that preparation, he sounded horrific. He had nothing to fight back with to defend his vote. And at the end of that interview, I got off the air and I said to my producer, I said, I think today was the first day of the end of Anthony Gonzalez's political career. And it had to do with that vote on one day and then his interview with me the next. And I say that with no glee, by the way. I like Anthony Gonzalez as a person. I liked, past tense, him as a member of Congress. I enjoyed my conversations with him for the, for the past, you know, three years or two plus years. I, I took no joy in that. But what he did was literally unforgivable, and it's going to end up being the end of his political career. So I appreciate that phone call. Thanks very much. Uh, we'll take a few more right after this, AM 1420. So, yeah, I'm just uh, putting it out there on my social media. Uh, I always preferred Pepsi anyway, so it makes it easier, but never again shall I touch a drop of Coca-Cola. Uh, I hope you'll join me in that effort. Um, TJ's in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, TJ, go ahead. You know, Bob, this statement that <laughs> Biden made about the genocide going on in China, yeah. this might be the most stupid and dangerous statement I ever heard uh, uh, uttered by an American president. Can you imagine any other president justifying the Nazis? saying that it's just a cultural thing, and we have to respect their culture. Or, or, or Joe Stalin and his mass genocide. Well, it's just a cultural thing. We have to respect people's culture. You know, go back to slavery in America. What if it was justified as saying, well, it was just a cultural thing back then. We have to respect that. If any other president had ever said that, they would have been uh, literally removed from office the same day. And he gets away with it because he's a Democrat. 
Yeah. I mean, and, this, this, and you know, this, I mean, forget about any other president. Let's just look to the past president. If Donald Trump saw a genocide going on in China or anywhere else and did not immediately issue sanctions, lay down sanctions and more, we already had tariffs going on against China anyway because of the unfair trade uh, trade imbalance. But if he just said, no, hey, you know what? That's just a, they, they do things differently over there. That's their culture. And if they want to gang rape, torture and murder people in the concentration camps because of their religion and their uh, not uh, their lack of acceptance of the Chinese Communist Party, um, if, if Trump had said that, oh, my gosh, forget about it. Just forget about it, TJ. Um, you're a thousand percent right. And thank you for the phone call. No media will ever cover it that way. As a matter of fact, he didn't even get challenged by the interviewer on the town hall. He did not even get challenged by CNN when he said, hey, that's just their culture. How anybody could say genocide is just a culture and, and have somebody not challenge them is beyond my scope of comprehension. Uh, Jan, you're next. Uh, Jan, and probably last. Go ahead. Oh, hi, Bob. Uh, do you know if any of the Native American languages, and there were several, uh, did they did any of them have uh, a written a written language? I'm sure they did. I don't know. I don't know uh, the specifics of it, I, well, but I'm sure they did. I I I was. I think I heard somewhere that there there was not a written. Native American language, but that would be interesting to know. Well, I mean, okay. here's here's the thing. I mean, you know, going back to the ancient times, I mean, even back into prehistoric times, cave dwellers, you know, wrote on the walls uh, and their symbols were their language. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, hieroglyphics, all kinds of things like that. So, uh, no, I'm not an expert on it. I don't know if it's quote unquote written language, but I would suggest and thank you for the phone call, Jan. I would suggest that Native Americans have been around for centuries and none of them have not known how to speak to one another none of them have not known how to use language so whether it's written in quote-unquote books or on parchments or on animal skins or pelts or 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 not i don't know but pretty sure that the native american language has lasted for as long as native americans have lasted and we got to stop calling them Native Americans as well because there are indigenous people to, the, to, to this continent and around the world that uh, would s- certainly fall under that same categorization. And their language isn't going anywhere. All right, that's it. That's all the time we've got. Uh, thanks to Congressman Jordan. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Derek and Marcy for running our show. Peter Kirsten now joins us tomorrow, so make sure you are back for that. As Oh, and by the way, quick reminder. If you have not yet registered for the Citizens for Free Speech Ohio chapter webinar on Wednesday night, do so now. It's citizensforfreespeech.org forward slash Ohio. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.